you so much for coming. I pray that you'll be blessed through the Lord's Word. I know you'll be blessed through the worship already. Before I start our message, um, we're going to be talking about faith. We're going to be talking about precious faith and fruitful faith. And faith drives us into the will of God. If we're in line with God and we're living by faith, God's going to use us in mighty ways. And we question ourselves. So this message, if you're sitting on the fence and you're like, I don't want to move out of my comfort zone, I pray after we get through Second Peter here that your faith will grow to the point where you won't be standing or sitting on the fence. You'll be on the other side of the fence, in the trenches, and going to battle. So let's pray and let's see what the Lord has for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, You are awesome and mighty. And we are just sinners that You sent Your Son to die for. I would pray, Father, that You would speak to our hearts in a way that maybe we haven't heard before. Maybe You just used me to get this message across that we can apply our faith in all circumstances, not just things that pertain to what we think is good for us, but things that You have for us that are far greater and richer than we can fathom. I would pray, Lord, that You speak through me and speak to our hearts in Your precious name. Amen. Alright, we're going to be in Second Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go verses 1 through 11. I think this wind dried my mouth out a little bit. but Okay, Peter. Now, some of us know Peter as a knucklehead, you know. Um, And I think Jesus, God had a plan for him, and he was a knucklehead. And he was a person that, he was a man that would talk when he should be listening, and listening when he should be talking. A man that would step forward when he shouldn't, and step back when he should have stepped forward. And I find a lot of that characteristic in my life. And God has a sense of humor. Because if He can use me, He can use any of us. And my first question for the congregation this morning, do you love Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God personally? Because until that time comes, faith will not grow. Faith will not even radiate through you. Faith comes from, if James was in here, if faith comes from knowing the, and he would always say, word. We've got to know Jesus. We've got to know Christ. We've got to know God and what He came to do for us. And if we don't, our faith is dead. And the only way we know more about what He did is by reading His promises, reading about His love. And that's what we're going to touch on. Through all His failures and His denials, God still used him. Was it because he was a special guy? Absolutely not. He was just willing. He blew it. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. But the question is, do we wallow in the mistakes we make and turn our back on Jesus? Or do we say, God, show me. Show me what I did wrong. Show me what I need to change and get me to the point I need to be in. We'll never be perfect. Will never be completed until we see Jesus face to face. 
And as we read those, heard those songs and stuff, you know, I can only imagine. That song is special to us because I walked in when I married my wife to that song. And when it first came out, it was like a love song, you know. It still is a love song. It's a love song between you and Christ. And I don't know what I'll do. I don't even think I can walk once I see Jesus. That's okay. I never rest, so I think that might be a good time to rest. But the thing is, is do we ever stop and ponder? Do we ponder what Jesus means to us? We're going to see that Peter used the word precious. Some burly fishermen, our guys and ladies went out on a fishing trip. They pulled in 25-pound tuna, and they fought it, and it was tough. But Peter, a fisherman that pulled up nets, he was not a little weakling. He was a burly dude. Probably smelled like fish too. But he uses a word precious. Precious. He made it through because God prayed for him. We find in Luke 22.32 it says, But I have pleaded, pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fall So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. God prays for us too. He's not given Peter anything more than he wants to give us or has already given us. In Hebrews 7.25, as I'm saying he prays for us, he says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since He always lives to make intercession for them. He makes intercession for us. He speaks for us. He comes in our behalf. He loves us so much that He gave His Son. Just so we would get it. Just so we would have that faith. We're not worthy of it. We're not by no means. And that's where the word grace comes in. Peter discovered his identity. He was changed from shifting sand to the rock. God called him Simon and then called him Petros, Peter, the rock. If our foundation is based on sand, it washes away. If it's built on the rock, we take a stand and we can stand in his promises. Yesterday was tough for some of us. Very tough. But if we stand with God, how how can it be tough for us then? He's... He is the one that goes before us. He is the one that fights the battle. That bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot? Wrong. We need to be in the trunk while He is the pilot. You know, I don't get it. You know, co-pilot, that's our problem. We want to drive. God, you just stay there. And we drive a little farther and farther. And then we blow it and then we got to go weeping back to Him, crawling in humility and weakness. These things are good and all, but the faith needs to be deeper than what we think of. You know, sometimes we say, okay, God, I'm praying for that perfect relationship, the perfect wife or the perfect husband. And then it even goes to, Lord, please give me that front parking space. It's terrible walking across the parking lot. Or we pray that we'll have that big, beautiful home. Some of these things are good things to pray for, but is that the limitation we have on our faith to pray? It's kind of like when we pray. You know, a lot of times, I I mean, I fall in the category, 
just give me this, Lord. Just make... Why limit God? Why say just? Give it to me all, Lord. Give it all to me. All that you have for me, I want it all. We won't be able to handle it, but you know, He gives us portions to, to get us to that point. And then that faith causes us to move forward. Is our faith on just those little things? Do we serve a big God or a little God? It's not a little G, it's a big G. Let's look at uh, verses 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, on the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's look at verse 1 for a minute. Simon Peter, a bondservant. A bondservant is one that all they want to do is serve God. They just want to serve. Far greater than anything in their life. Do we do that? Is that where we're at? Apostle, he was called by God, not himself. He didn't appoint himself. Sometimes we take this authority and we say, we're, we're going to do that. But it's better when God places in a perfect place, just like yesterday. To see high schoolers be used in a way that brings so much laughter and joy to one's heart that maybe is miserable because they don't want to be there. My father-in-law, no, he doesn't want to go to a place like that and he will fight you till he dies. Some of them are there because they don't want to be. That's the choice. But if you were to see them yesterday, they didn't have a problem with it at all. To use youth, to use you and I, it's, it's amazing that God can use us. We saw so many examples in Scripture. A tax collector, really? An enemy? And God used him. Used Paul? We all can be used. In, your, in this verse, I would like you to, if you like coloring your Bibles, okay, I like coloring in my Bibles, I want you to underline precious. Underline precious there. Precious. Beyond calculation. Can't put a price on it. Valued. Loved. Beloved. Important. Dear. Treasured and cherished. We all have something that is precious in our life. Is it our faith? Is our faith precious? Maybe we have that precious puppy or the dog or our children are precious. Our wife and our husbands are precious. Well, maybe not the guys, but the girls, the wives are precious. But, I mean, seriously, I want you to think about the word precious. 
It has so much meaning behind it. You cherish it to the point where you can't live without it. That is the kind of faith that Peter's talking about here. A faith that you know without a shadow of a doubt you cannot get through life without it. Call it a precious faith. What is it that you consider precious in your life? Something to think about. Something to ponder about. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Your family's precious. Us guys, the turkey's precious. All that food. You know, I had a hard time yesterday. One of the high schoolers didn't eat. I go, what are you doing? This is turkey. It's just dropping, dripping with juices and the mashed potatoes. And Richard was giving portions, man. He goes, I got this big old tub. I got to get a word of it. And it was good. And she goes, I, I don't like Thanksgiving food. I'm like, what? Not even the cranberry sauce. I said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And then I'll come over for Thanksgiving and I'll eat what you don't eat. But seriously, the things that we consider precious, I want you to think about that as we go through this. Because our faith should be precious over anything in our lives. Anything. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The more knowledge we have in Christ, the greater understanding we will have. If we put God over here and we don't enter in, we don't read His Scripture, we don't pray, we don't share, we will not understand what God has for us. We won't understand His promises. We won't understand how much He loves us until we engage ourselves. Our Christian life is all about Jesus and the undeserved. Grace is getting something that there is nothing you could do to deserve it. And it's freely given. Freely given to us. In verse 3 it says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. That's God's character right there. Glory and virtue. That's what He's about. In 1 Thessalonians 2.12 it says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. He calls us into His kingdom and glory. We have to make that decision. We can't, we're not forced into it. He's a gentleman. Well, you know what? How can some do this and that? Well, because God doesn't force Himself on you. He wants you to want it. It's kind of like getting a Christmas gift and it's wrapped beautiful and you just take it and you sit it down and you never open it. What's the point of the gift? It's worthless. That's the same thing with God. He wants us to open up this gift He's given us. Peter says everything we need to live an abundant life, fulfilled life, and everything we need to live like Christ has already been given to us. Then why don't we have it? If it's already been given to us because we haven't let God give it to us. Do we base our faith on knowing He has given us everything to live as Christ? Do we remember this when we get shaken? A month ago I did my study on trials and tribulation. And you know what? It's only through the faith that you get through them. 
It's not by our power. Or when God wants us to move forward, once again, there's that part where God wants to use us and we're afraid to step out. It's out of our comfort zone. That's where God wants you. Put me in the high school room or the junior high room. i got my music stand on my whiteboard. That's a comfort zone for me. Right here, it's out of my comfort zone. And I'm blessed to be out of that comfort zone. It's a privilege to me. I don't take it lightly to stand here. And the thing is, is anywhere and wherever we go, grocery store, hey, you know Jesus? Maybe you're not like me and you take it on a challenge. But maybe we should. He who has called us has called us to a substantial, meaningful life. A substantial, meaning life. A life of fullness, a life of compassion, love, and giving. Thanksgiving, we got a chance to give all that love out, right? Jackets, the food ministry. Awesome food at a senior center. It's great. There's so many things we can do. Let's look at verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious. Underline precious right there again. Promises. Underline promises too, because you've got to understand it's precious and promises together. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that this world, through lust or our human desires. Our high school group, the name for our youth group is Relevant, a message for today's culture. God's Word is relevant no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're doing. Whatever is going on, His Word is always relevant. If you're hurting, you're sad, you're rejoicing. I came home last night. I know it had a lot to do with the Starbucks, you know. But I was amped. I was, I was reju- rejuvenated. Like the energy bunny, you know, with Duracell. It, 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 it just feeds the soul. It feeds the spirit. When you're out doing God's... Business, there's no other business. There's nothing better. It's nothing better. Whether you walk on a junior high campus or you walk in in your community and you just give that love, that look that says, man, you got to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. These precious promises are ones that help us in our growing and participation in His divine nature. These promises that He will never leave us or forsake us then also the Scripture says that through faith we can move mountains. And also it says if we are not praising God, the rocks will cry out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be humbled by a rock crying out next to me. I want to be the one that's sharing God's love and praising God and just going forward for Him. Fear does not come from the Lord. It doesn't. Step out of that comfort zone. We have Christ within us, which enables us to become increasingly Christ-like. A totally new person. When we became born again, when we asked Jesus in our heart, we are no longer that old person. We're new. We're born again. We're new in God's eyes. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, 
who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That veil's removed. The blindness is no longer there. We are one with Christ. He wants us to be used. He, and He doesn't want us to hold back. He wants to run to those opportunities. Now I know some of you are like, I'm not running no opportunity. I'm running away from it. Stand firm. Stand in His promises. Take that step. You know, God gives us opportunities like yesterday that we can learn from them and we can reflect on them and we can share them with others like I'm doing today. I only can share what goes on in my life and what goes on around me. But if you have testimonies and things you can share, do you realize how much that can further the kingdom of God? We're supposed to be busy. Busy about the Lord's business. If we have this precious faith that is described through verses 1 and 4, what could we do with it? What could God do with it? That's the biggest question. Let's look at verses 5 through 11 because this is what we can do with it. Fruitful growth in the faith is the heading in my Bible. But I, I would like to change the words and say, put it in our faith. Full growth in our faith that can be fruitful. Verses 5 through 11. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Never means never. Verse 11, For you an an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Terry had no clue what the message was going to be like. And then pick a song that says, I only can imagine. I think that falls right into verse 11 there. His kingdom. Verses 5-7 through seven mention seven virtues. The first five pertains to one's inner and his relationship to God, which are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and godliness. The last two relates to others. Brotherly kindness and love. Let's look at verse 5. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. Underline virtue and knowledge there, please. The first word I want to look at is diligence. Thoroughness. Carefulness. Detail to things of God. Diligently, we get 
noticed at work when we're diligent about our job and we do it well. If we do things around the house and we're diligent, it's reflected by how things look and that. But if we're diligent about our faith, how does it look? It looks good. It looks pleasing to the Lord. To the point, the Lord is very pleased with it. Let's look at virtue. Christ's character once again. We cannot produce virtue ourselves. But we can obey and the prompting of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to become more Christ-like. Yesterday, some of the youth were comfortable, some weren't. Some of us adults were uncomfortable, and some were not. But by stepping out and obeying what God wanted to be done, the fruit was plenty. The fruit was plenty. This gentleman, Ron, he's excited for us to come back to the point he says, Jessica, when are you coming again? How soon will you know? I want to plan it. And I'm going to make sure my wife's here too. They've been separated for 11 years. They talk every day. They see, they, you know, pray together and stuff like that, but they've been separated for 11 years. And it's so important to him that he wants to make sure his wife is there. He let me pray with him. He wanted to know how he can change from the inside out. See, God doesn't look at our outside. Thank goodness. I wouldn't be here. But he looks on the inside. And all he wants to see is that willing heart. That heart that has that hole that we're all born with that only Jesus can fill. You cannot put a round peg in a square hole. Or vice versa. But that hole that we have and we're born with, only Christ can fill that. And when he does, it's beautiful. None of us are special that went yesterday. Through our own eyes. But through Christ's eye, we're very special. To a point that everybody was moved. I still cannot believe how loud they were. Because I told the youth before going, you've got to keep it to a low roar. You know, I don't want you to offend anybody. And then I'm sitting outside and it's like a party going on. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Maybe we'll bring the amplifiers for the guitars next time. We're going to go plugged instead of unplugged. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit. When I pray, I always try to ask the Lord to help me be sensitive to the Spirit. It's when you are sensitive to the Spirit and someone pops in your head and God says, pray for them. And you're like, I'm busy. I'm doing what I'm doing. Or call that person. There's been so many times where God's put someone on my heart and I've just I've been too busy. But then I do follow up and do what God's asking and it's amazed that person just needed to hear from you. Just needed to hear the Word of God. Just needed to pray. Or just that feeling that someone cares. Someone cares. Knowledge. Dedicating ourselves to learning God's truth. Dedicating. We're dedicated to our sports. Football's going on right now. I'm sorry if you're USC fans. Ruins. But the thing is, is we are dedicated to our sports. We're dedicated to those things that 
in the long run don't really matter. They don't matter. Brings joy to us, but that joy doesn't last. It's only temporary. I will be on this cloud nine until we go next month. And it's a, it's a faith builder. It's things like that that does build our faith. Because a lot of times we beat ourselves up. We're nothing. We're nothing. The enemy wants us to believe that. But when God can take you and use you like that, all of a sudden you have purpose. You're worth gold to Him. It's amazing. Virtue before knowledge. In, in, in this verse, it, it says virtue first. And personally, I think there's a reason for it. Because without God's character, His virtue, how are you going to understand the knowledge? If we're not in line with God and, and being in oneness with Him, when we read His knowledge, it, it doesn't mean anything. But when we're in tune with God and then we read His Scripture and we see the promises, we see what He has for us, it speaks to us. It speaks to our heart. But if our heart's not in one with Him, we can't hear it. It's just like someone that doesn't know the Lord and they pick up the Bible. It's a history book. They read it like a history book. But when we're in line with God, it it reaches out, it touches us right where we're at. And the beauty of Scripture, I can guarantee you, that you've already read this, this text in your, in your Bibles. And maybe, and hopefully today, it takes on a whole different meaning. We can read Scripture tomorrow, and in a week we could read the same verse, and it's going to apply differently. That's the beauty of God's Word. He knew what He was doing. We can't question that. Verse 6, six I'm sorry, it says, To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. Underlying self-control and perseverance. And then, of course, godliness. Self-control. We have a problem with that. I do. Maybe you don't. Self-control. Driving up the mountain and they're not going fast enough. Or unless you're like yesterday and the guy was driving too fast behind me. Who's was my neighbor. <laughs> and it's going to take self-control for me not to go up to him and do, dude. I had juice in my car and you're coming up on me like you're a steamroller. It'll take self-control not to do anything about it. It takes self-control to watch what we say. It's self-control to say the right thing at the right time. See, Peter lacked self-control sometimes. We lack it. But as we're walking with God and He works on us, we get better and better. Because sometimes it's better just not to say a word. I have friends that they can't wait to ask you how you're doing. So as soon as you're done, man, let me tell you what I'm doing, you know, and they throw that bomb on you. Right? <sighs> Why? You don't have anybody else to tell us to. We need to listen as quick as we can just hear. We need to have that guidance. We need to have that control. Perseverance, urgency, determination. Do we have that zeal? Do we have that drive? And then determination that causes us to seek and to be like Christ. Determination. Be in the trenches. It takes every bit of diligence and effort we can pull together along with the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. 
to escape the corruption in this world caused by evil distress. Relevant. Relevant message for today's culture. Things that we're going through. There is no way we can do it on our own. We have to have Christ. He has to be driving the car, not you. Verse 7, to godliness, brotherly kindness, underline brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness, love, underline love. If we live and practice godliness, loving God and not ourselves, we learn to serve and love one another. Sounds easy, huh? We all like about ourselves. We want ourselves in, in the mix. It's not about us. If we, in First John it says, in First John four twenty it says, if someone says, "I love God," but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? That verse really spoke to me as I was doing my study. Because there are times that it's hard to love somebody. Especially when they're doing something back to us or doing evil things. How can we love Christ if we cannot love someone that's right in front of us? Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Last night, this verse means so much to me because when Ron was describing somebody that continually comes and doesn't give up and constantly loves on him and constantly tries to talk to him, constantly wants to get that turkey plate in front of him, that is genuine affection. A lot of times we have people, oh, I love you. And you're like, right. Right. Well, you don't, hopefully you don't say that to their face. But when you walk away, you're like, yeah, I'm really feeling the love. And then you get backstabbed or something like that. It has to be genuine affection. Like you love your kids genuine. You love your husband or your wife with a genuine affection. Well, you better. Otherwise you're in trouble. But see, God wants us to love him that way. Genuine, with all of our hearts, our own beings. Everything that we are made of, everything that we have to offer, we're supposed to give it to God. Precious. Verse 8 says, For these things are yours and abound. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't go wrong. If we have Christ and we're living for Him, we can't go wrong. We can't. As Christians, we if we... Do not grow in grace and progress in these seven areas. We will become fruitless and ineffective to others. Seven steps He's given us. As Christians, we can know the Lord in salvation, but lack the fruits of the Spirit and not advancing spiritually. We can know or we can have salvation, but if we don't have that faith to do something with it, that's all you're going to get. That's it. I got salvation. That's all I need. You're going to be miserable. God wants to use you. We have to have the right heart, Peter tells us. 
Verses, I mean, Second Peter 3.18, it says, Rather you must grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. It didn't say ourselves. It said to Him. All glory to Him. To Him only. Verse 9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even in blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. We like to play a game with the youth where all the lights are out. Blind man's bluff. You run into stuff. I don't know about you, but I can't get through the dark being blindfolded. I don't want to be short-sighted. I don't want to miss something that God has for me. But sometimes we're there. But God is forgiving. A believer with spiritual short-sightedness is not magnifying the grace of Christ. Since his life is not showing evidence of the qualities that is given us through verses 5-7, through he seems to be just like the spiritually blind, unsaved person unsaved person. I was lost, but now I'm saved. Wretched man is me. I've been lifted up. Verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call the election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Once again, never. Never means never. Never stumble. There's a promise. Therefore means, since I have told you these things, make sure you apply them to your life. You've heard, heard that before, right? Therefore, apply them to your life. You've heard the truth. Now this is what you've got to do with it. Peter stumbled. We see many people that stumbled in the Bible, but God was faithful. King David, so many examples. We're going to stumble. We're going to blow it. But it's through that faith knowing that God will pick us up. Ephesians 1.4 says, Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Praise God. God can look at me and find no fault. Hello. That's beautiful. Isn't that what we want? We want to be right with God and not for Him to find fault. Certainly one who is maturing in Christ will not trip up in spiritual life as willingly as one that is not walking with Christ. We may stumble, but it won't be as bad as if we don't know Christ. We may skin our knees. He's the healer. And then verse 11 says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The ultimate reward of a growing Christ-honoring life is personal welcome by the Savior into His kingdom. Personally. Personally. 2 Timothy 4, 7-8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness. With the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will give me on the day of His return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. That's what we have. That's His promise. What do we take from this message? That our faith should be precious above anything in our lives. Second, that grace and peace is to be multiplied in our knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Multiplied. I'm a salesman. I like to multiply things. I like the bigger number. We need to multiply our faith. We need to multiply what we're doing for Christ and not for one ourselves. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to His godly life. Another thing is seven virtues that will help us become more Christ-like and that will give us a fruitful faith. And lastly, our heavenly welcome to the eternal life, eternal with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's what we have to look forward to. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word and for Your love and for Your grace, Your virtue of Your character, Lord, that You give us as an example. We can have fruitful faith. We can have precious faith. I would pray, Lord, that You would help us to live for You and not ourselves. And Lord, if anybody in here today is sitting on the fence of maybe God has called them to step out into the children's ministry or something like that, I would pray, Lord, that You would push them off the fence. Push them into that field that faith can only take us. I would pray, Lord, that You would bless us and watch over us. In Your precious name, Amen.